This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is a sad episode of the Raw Reaction Show. There's no light. The light, the light is out. Uh, you can see behind me there um, because I don't know. There's almost something about like why, why, why should I try <laughs> when the team that I went to see last night didn't really. Um, we're going to talk about Arsenal's defeat against West Ham in the League Cup as they whimpered out of the tournament. And look, you know, you guys know my position on the the League Cup. You guys know how I feel about the tournament. You know, it's not exactly like a... It, it's not a key part of, of, of success for me this season for Arsenal. I'm just talking about this hat. What is going on with this? There we go. It had like a little hole in it. Like Arsenal's defensive last night. Um... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and like my emotion of falling out of this competition is not the same to a defeat in the Premier League or to a defeat in the Champions League. I think I've made that fairly clear, but it's, I still wanted to win last night. You know, I still wanted to progress. I still wanted to, to take the opportunity that the Cup had seemingly given us um, with Manchester City going out and Arsenal becoming one of the key contenders for the tournament. But, that last night was not good enough. That last night was really poor. And that last night raised a lot of questions that we're going to talk about and discuss with you guys in the chat box. Uh, good morning to you, uh, old Dave. Good morning to David. Good morning to Amberly. Good morning to Gary, to Grantley Poos. Uh, good morning to Sabre, to Pikahu, to Jose, to Keith. Good morning to Martin. Good morning to Hawkwind. Good morning to uh, Marcus. Uh, we've got uh, Phil in the chat box as well. We've got uh, Nishith. We've got uh, uh, who else have we got scrolling down? Everyone's very enthusiastically chatting. They're already going back and forth. It's fantastic to see you. Matthew, good morning to you. Uh, Mr. Thugi, uh, good morning uh, to Kingsley, to Daniel, to Vus, and plenty more, I'm sure, that are joining us too in today's chat box. Um, we're going to we're going to discuss the game a little bit in part one. I'm going to talk you through kind of my thoughts. Um, I am shattered, by the way. You can probably see the bags underneath my eyes. I got home last night from a wet and windy 
East London uh, to Ebbsfleet because then there was no trains running. So I had to drive to Ebbsfleet and then drove home um, as well. And, uh, and, and and then I had to get up at 4am to drive the missus to the airport. And I only returned less than half an hour ago. So uh, I'm wired, I'm frustrated, and I'm annoyed <laughs> with yesterday. Um, and yeah, so... Prepare for some saltiness today. I think you can probably uh, expect. Right, let's let's uh, let's shoot it. The lights aren't going on, guys. I know you're saying that you need to put the TGT light on, but as I said at the start of the show, I don't I don't need to put the lights on. You know, the light is out for Arsenal at the moment, so the light is out in respect of of any commitment or attempt to try and win a game. Um, Arsenal lost three one. Uh, in the end, to uh, uh, to a, a West Ham team that, you know, had changes within it. That it was a strong West Ham team. Sure, we can talk about the fact that West Ham, uh, with their lineup, took things fast more seriously than you could argue that, that Arsenal did uh, with their team. And you would say that based upon the lineup. And we'll talk a little bit about rotation and why we rotate and, and Arteta's uh kind of logic if you like about his rotations and i've got some thoughts on that that i'm not too uh that i have to hold my hands up in some ways and i think i have to even in myself self-reflect on what team i would have started and whether or not it was the right team as well and and we'll do that um but it was not good enough still for what was on the field this was the team um ramsdale Cost thirty million pounds. Ben White fifty million pounds. Kivior twenty million pounds. Gabriel twenty five million pounds. Zinchenko thirty million pounds. Jorginho twelve million pounds. Havertz sixty five million pounds. Vieira thirty four million pounds. Nelson and Ketty are hailing graduates. Trossard twenty seven million pounds, uh, leading to an approximate two hundred ninety three million. A squad, an eleven that costs nearly on average thirty million a player, and some of them you'd argue are worth more than that. Some of you'd argue, I'm sure, uh, are worth less than that. And there's no denying that this Arsenal team has depth. This Arsenal team has depth. There is competitive options in different positions. But I think that what we are learning and what Arteta maybe needs to recognise is that you can rotate too much. Um, And I think it's important to say that players need minutes, players need time, uh, players need uh, opportunity. But maybe that if there is a thing that we want to look to Arteta to try and to learn to change, to try and develop in his own managerial ability, um, then it potentially is on how we rotate. And I have to hold my hands up here. I can't look like some, you know, hindsight expert because I sat here on yesterday morning's show I sat here on, you know, yesterday morning's show and said that I'd start Havertz up top and I'd play Trossard and I'd play Vieira in a wide position and I'd play Jorginho and Elneny and I'd Smith-Rowe and Kivior and I, I, I played, that was the back four I picked, you know, as well. At the back five, including the goalkeeper, I picked that back five. I picked um, Trossard in there. I picked Vieira. I picked Havertz. I picked Jorginho. The only players that aren't in this team that I wanted to see was Elneny um, and I think maybe one other that has skipped my mind. So it's not like I'm sitting here going, oh, look at me. I know what Arteta's done wrong because I made the same error. 
I sat here yesterday and made the same error, and I see that in reflection. That rotation, rotation I don't think can be, this is your best 11, and this is a second string 11. You know, that that for me is the key thing. I don't think that that's how it can work. I don't think that's the way that it can work. I don't think that in a situation where you're going up against a West Ham team that, you know, um, are playing a stronger side or whatever, in any scenario, I think rotation is important. And I think giving fringe players minutes is important. But I think that we need to work out a better way of rotating for certain games like these League Cup fixtures. And what I mean by that, I think, is playing more first-teamers with like four maximum kind of changes. So either Saka or Martinelli start in the game, for instance. Um, one of the key midfielders, so either Rice or Odegaard, or if we had him, of course, fit, Partey. Um, now, you could argue that, you know, we're without Jesus, without uh, Partey, and, you know, that that brings in its own problems. And to be fair, the back line, White, Kivio, Gabriel, Zinchenko, there's two of the, arguably three of the starting back four there, and Ramsdale was obviously our keeper four of last season. But I think that obviously what Arsenal, I, I think that we can all agree that Arsenal lacked bite up top. We lacked something, didn't we? We we lacked cutting edge. We lacked creativity. We lacked dynamism. We just didn't look like we were ever going to cut them open. And we played to a philosophy of patience. And I think that was emphasised by the fact that eventually when Arsenal created their best chance of the game, it was in injury time and we scored it through Erdegaard. But beyond that, you know, there was Nketiah's header. There was a cross from Nelson. Uh, it was a shot from Nketi that went over the bar. Um, so I think because of that, uh, there's an argument that the forward six, if you like, the forward five or six players, maybe there was too much change. Maybe there was too much um, difference. And maybe we needed a, a Saka or a Martinelli in there. Maybe we needed an Erdegaard to start. If he could, we don't know. Maybe he's not fully fit. Um and the reason why I, I talk about the prices, it's nothing to do with like the value of players. That's not what I'm talking about. And I think I saw a comment earlier on from Maximius in the chat. Let me find it because uh, I think this is a really important point. Maximius says, you can't really judge talent based on what they cost. Saka and Martinelli literally cost us nothing. And Maximius, you've missed my point. You've, you've misinterpreted my point here. Uh, it's not about value of player or whatever. The point that's being made here is that this is the investment that has been made to strengthen the depth of this squad. This is the investment that's been made so that Arsenal have a team that can, and here comes your footballing cliche, compete on all fronts. This is the investment that Arsenal have made. And so when you make an investment of £300 million, and that doesn't include players, of course, that were also on the bench and that are currently out injured in the case of Timber, etc. You know, when you make that investment, you need to see return when it comes to making significant change. Now, I think there is two schools of thought. I think Arteta maybe in reflection could have rotated less. And that's not me being a naysayer or all that and saying, you know, I know what he done wrong because I made the exact same mistake in my, uh, you know, looking ahead into the game yesterday. I just think that, you know, it was... It's just a really poor day, a really poor performance. And uh, Arteta was absolutely livid after the game. I didn't manage to speak to any Arsenal player after the fixture as uh, 
in an unsurprising fashion, you know, when it, it tends to be if Arsenal don't win, you know, I'm not even talking about drawing. If Arsenal don't win, we ve I very, very rarely am able to stop any of the players after the game for a couple of words in the mix zone. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're just not in that kind of mood. And, you know, that that's in a way a good thing from a, you know, a perspective of um, you want to see them, you know, you, you want to know that they're hurting. You want to know that they're annoyed. You want to know that they're not in a happy place. Um, but sometimes we have had people speak. Ramsdale spoke after the Man City defeat away from home last season. I've spoken to Erdegaard after we've lost games. Um, you know, but yesterday it really, really was uh, a, a frustration. Um, so the question is, therefore, then what Arteta, what could he have done differently? Well, I think the obvious answer to this is in reflection, he could have maybe started some stronger players. He could have played Saka, he could have played Erdogan, he could have played Martinelli, he could have played, you know, somebody different. Saliba could have started in the back line. Would that have would that have changed the outcome of the game wholly? I don't know. We don't know. Um, and I think what, what we have to look to specifically with Arteta is that as this coach that has taken us from, you know, point E, if you like, to point B, and we're very, you know, bordering on that point A. And if we win a title or a Champions League this season, you can certainly say we've got to that point A. But to see the amount of progression that we've done as a young coach, there are still elements of his game that elements of his management and coaching that I think we can all agree certainly needs um, to to be improved and to develop. And I think that you know, learning how to rotate, learning what the best way to change your side is for these midweek fixtures and League Cup games is an element of that. You know, it's something that Pep Guardiola has been able to master. That said, Pep Guardiola's Man City are out of this competition. You know, Newcastle have now beaten both Manchester teams and Newcastle rotated very heavily yesterday. Man United are an awful side, granted, but, you know, West Ham didn't exactly cover themselves in glory against an Everton team at the weekend, did they? So, you know, it's, it's football. <laughs> you know, anything can happen in this sport. And if you're not on it, you obviously... Um, you obviously are in a position whereby you need to improve and we we do need to improve in that sense. I want to take a little couple of positives. I liked Jakob Kivior yesterday. I thought he was composed. I thought I saw things that I liked. I didn't certainly pinpoint him for any of the necessary, like the, the goals, if you like. Um, yes, it was his deflection for the Bowen strike. I think it's unfortunate. Um, but I, I, I liked what I saw from Kivior. Um I thought there was a really good moment where he was kind of uh, composed on the bottom left and zone of, of our corner and he uh, when we were under pressure and he dealt with that situation really, really well. Uh, I thought on the ball he was good um, and I was impressed with Kivio. Um So that was a positive and, you know, it's always important to try and take the positives from the darker moments in your season. But I did like what I saw from him and I do think there's a lot of potential in this kid. Um, so I, I, I do I do want to point out that I was quite impressed with with Kivior in the day. But another question mark that I have, and you guys might turn around to me and say, well, we were, you know, we were losing and you don't want to not try and win the game. But we got a really big game against Newcastle on Saturday, three days time. And we have the opportunity to rest players if we were going to rest them. You know, some people might say we should have gone stronger from the start. But what I'm not a big fan of, what I'm arguably a worse fan of than getting the rotation wrong is... When you're 3-0 down, chucking on your best players uh, and players that have obviously, um, in their own way, suffered from uh, some, some fitness issues and some, some injuries. Uh, so it's very, 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 very frustrating, of course. Um, I think when I saw them come on, 
I don't have too much of an issue with the Erdegaard sub because, you know, I think he needed a few minutes in his legs ahead of the game against Newcastle. That's important. But, yeah, I I, I don't... I, I was frustrated. And I was sitting next to Simon Collings and he tweeted out, you know, Saka and Martinelli coming on. And basically all the replies to his tweet were, why? What's the point? Like, why risk them? Imagine if one of them got injured, you know? Like, imagine if one of those two done a hamstring or someone had a bad challenge and we lost them 3-0 up away from home with, you know, 20 minutes left, if that, and one of them gets injured. Imagine the meltdown. I just felt like it was a needless risk. And I felt like, it, you know, I'd be doing some people a disservice that felt that that wasn't mentioned if I didn't mention it. So I'm mentioning it because I think it's worth mentioning. So, you know, I, I just felt, what was, what was the point? <laughs> what was the point in that? Last point before we go to you guys in the chat box and you can try and save me. Um, is that Odegaard return? Returning with a goal. You know, we we have missed him. I don't, I don't care about his biggest, biggest critics going out and saying he's not good enough or, you know, he's he's been poor in these last few weeks. The fact of the matter is he's been carrying an injury. We know that now. And uh, for me, Odegaard has is, is been missing. And so him coming onto the field, scoring a good goal, of course, that's going to only boost his own individual confidence. I think it was needed. Uh, I think that, you know, that's that's a positive again going into the weekend. So Odegaard will hopefully be back and starting um, against Newcastle. So let's, uh, let's wait and see uh, if that's the right way forwards. Right, let's go to part two. And uh, let's let's see what you guys have got to say and what questions you are asking about yesterday's display. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay. Um, Let's go into the chat box, shall we? Um, Dennis says, I am developing a level of hatred for Jorginho and Zinchenko this season. That is... these. Are, I highlight these comments. Some people will say, Tom, why do you highlight these comments? They're clearly inflammatory and ridiculous. And they are inflammatory and ridiculous. And if, you know, I was listening to James O'Brien on the way here and he does something on his radio show called Idiot's Corner. And I was tempted to, to hijack that in some ways. It's... it's it's a little bit brash, isn't it? Uh, idiot's corner. Um, but if you're developing, and I'm going to repeat the word, a hatred for your own players because of a bad performance, bearing in mind that that's the same Jorginho, by the way, that was excellent against Manchester City when we beat them 1-0 in a, a massively important game. If you're developing a hatred, I think you've got to look within. I think you've got to look within yourself. If you're developing hatred like the 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 most extreme form of a dislike 
you know, to your worst enemies, use things like hatred. To the worst people in the world, use things like hatred. You shouldn't be developing a hatred for players. That's crazy. I, I get people don't like particular players or they've got criticisms of particular players. That's fine. You can be critical of players. Some people, you know, are very critical of, of Zinchenko this season. Some people have been very critical of uh, of Erdegaard this season. And of course, Havertz has faced plenty of criticisms. A hatred? Come on. Let's uh, let's let's get our feet firmly on the ground and speak more objectively. Um, Chris says, "Tom, how can anyone say Odegaard isn't good enough? What world? What in what world is he not? I know. I've tried to be. Uh, I've tried to, to to say this to people as well. He's had a dip. You know, he's had a dip in form, and players have dips in form. And we've discovered that he's also suffering with an injury, and I think that's explained a lot. But my goodness me." Uh, when he came on, I just felt better uh, about how we were playing. Uh, and I know that it was a West Ham team that knew they'd won and they were sitting back, but we just looked a bit better and he just makes things better when he plays. Um, you, Nathan, says, Hey, Tom, doesn't the patient style that we play forwards worry you considering it slows down our chance creation and could be a problem with a team like Liverpool, which are very fast in the final third? Yeah, uh, Nathan, it, it does. The reason why it does is because... and. You know, I often lean on um, friends of mine like Clive, for instance, uh, who you listened to brilliantly speak on the channel the other day to kind of bring me some perspective and to challenge me on some points. But there is such a... I get the feeling that there's such a insistence from Mikel Arteta on patient play and build-up. And we spotted it. I spotted it. I know Clive spotted it in the game against Sheffield United. Every single time Arsenal tried to force the ball forwards or go a little bit long or chip the ball into behind or play a long pass out to the wide areas, you could see Arteta getting visibly frustrated that Arsenal were trying to force things, um, you know, further up the field. And even when we went 1-0 down, we stayed patient, Right. And I don't have too much of an issue. If you're 1-0 down in a game, you're very much in it, right? You're very much in the possibility of winning a game. And being patient is fine in a 1-0. If you panic, you, you could go 2-0 down. And we went 2-0 down because of a, a fantastic ball and a brilliant goal from Kudus and some questionable defending when the ball reaches the, the attacking player. Um, we should have defended that situation better. But it is a good goal and you have to give Kudus credit. Uh, and, and the pass from, I want to say Emerson, maybe. Um, so I give credit for the second goal. But... And it doesn't come from like us being naive or anything like that. But when you are 2-0 down, that's when you get urgent. That that's that's when you change. That's when your patience goes out the window for me. Um things needed to change. And I didn't sense too much of a change. Maybe it was me, maybe it was ignorance, maybe I didn't spot it, maybe I'm being too harsh, but I personally didn't spot too much of a change in enthusiasm, in uh, dynamic, in the way in which we were approaching the game. Maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that there was just simply wasn't any urgency from going one down to two down to even three down. I know Odegaard came on and scored, but I just didn't get that sense. And I think patience is the real way of describing it. I think Nathan smashed it there. Arteta wants patience. And patience is control and patience is dominance. And Arteta spoke after the game in which he actually used the word dominance. He said, you know, that we were dominant in the game um, and that, you know, that we had control in the opening moments. 
And if we want to do what we do best, we need that. We need that control. We need that dominance. And that's completely fair. But when the game state changes, when you're 2-0 down and you're chasing it and you need to be more urgent, we need to show more of that initiative. And I don't think that we did that last night. And I'm worried that in situations, if you remember, like Arsenal last season, and I think maybe even the season before that, we had a really good record. If we went, if we went a goal down, we had a really good record of coming back in those games and responding quickly. Even this season, you think about the Man United game, we went a goal down, we were urgent, we were fast, we were direct with our passing and we created an opportunity straight away and we scored from it. And yesterday, actually, straight after we conceded the first goal, we went up the other end of the field and got into the box immediately. The chance didn't form into something clear-cut like it did against Man United, but it did. But then it kind of flitted away and that, little kick up the backside that that goal initially brought didn't carry on and we didn't build upon that and eventually we kind of got back into our patient ways and yeah I'm worried that there is something a little bit too one-dimensional about us sometimes um, that we aren't urgent enough in responding so yeah Grantly Poo says Tom was last night a case of who wants it more we were not positive enough or clinical in the final third and they were no and you know the reason why I say no it's not a case of who wants it more. And I sat after the game, I remember thinking, you know, West Ham just wanted it more. And actually, no. West Ham scored the first goal that wouldn't have counted if VAR was with his effect. I haven't mentioned that so far, you know, and I think that's important. I didn't want to come on here and be like, well, if VAR was in effect, you know. And that's why it's taken until 23 minutes into today's show after we've done the whole of part one and now into the questions that I'm kind of bringing up the VAR thing. And this is why I talk about, and this is, it links into this question of like who wanted it more. Because the first goal obviously was um, a foul and it wouldn't count. And maybe the game's different. The second goal is a long ball over the top uh, and a fantastic finish from Kudus. And the third goal is a deflection. And to say that like they wanted it more is like, for me, it's a little bit, with respect, lazy. It's a little bit of a lazy takeaway from the game. Because if you actually look at it, and I... Did I did I print screen the the metrics from the game? I think I did. Yes, I did. So uh, Mark Statsbot on Twitter looked at the metrics of last night. XG, 0.61 West Ham, 1.15 Arsenal. X threat. I don't even know what X threat is. <laughs> expected threat. Maybe that's expected attacking phases or attacking chances. 0.68 West Ham, 1.74 Arsenal. Possession, 71.7% to Arsenal. Field tilt, which is this new thing about kind of team in possessions in, in important areas and stuff like that. 13.8% West Ham, 86.2% Arsenal. Defective, defensive action height, and I think that's kind of how far up the field your defensive actions are in happening. 61.8 for Arsenal, 39.4. Um, I suppose that should be 39.2 uh, for, uh, for West Ham. And like, look, we had more of the ball. We had more chances. We had greater XG. West Ham, for me, didn't want it more. Like, they were the home team, so you had that kind of buoyancy of the, the tackles going in a little bit harder. But by the way, Havertz in the first half was good. Like, Havertz in the first half was battling. He was um, tenacious. He won some really good uh, moments in the, in, in the play. And... I, I liked what I saw from him in the first half. Second half, yeah, less said about that, but better. You know, but I liked a lot of what I saw from Havertz in the first half. And, you know, if I was doing a player ratings, I probably would have rated him probably the highest alongside Nelson uh, with the players. In the first half, I really liked what 
Havertz was doing. And he did show a lot of fight and he did show a lot of determination to tackle, to get involved with the play. And I liked that. Um, but it faded. It did fade quite quick into the second half. And, and I want to see that persist. I want to see that uh, push through into a full 90. And I want to see more, obviously. But um, I, I, I just, I don't buy into the, the whole they wanted it more. We just didn't have the cutting edge in the final third. Um, you know, I, 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 we just, you know, we just didn't have that cutting edge. And, and they had three big chances. They took them. They had one other big chance that Ramsdale saved really well um, and, and pushed wide. I think it was Bowen on the right-hand side at the start of the second half. But, uh, yeah, it's, I think the whole we wanted it more is a bit of a football cliche that gets thrown around too easily. And I didn't think it was the case that tonight. I think it was the buoyancy of the home crowd in certain moments gave you that sense that they might. But actually, Arsenal dominated the game. And it's just one of those games. It's almost like, you know, you play those games on FIFA where, you know, you control the game and then your opponent plays and has like four chances and scores three and you've lost. And you're like, how did I lose that? And I came away a bit like that saying... When you look at that performance, you look at that dominance, you go, I'll tell everything and how do we lose it? And I think it will come from the fact that we just weren't good enough in the final third. You know, we were good enough in creating those chances. We weren't particularly defensively dire um, or anything like that. Yes, we could have defended the second goal better. The first goal is a foul. The third goal is a deflection that I, I feel sorry for Ramsdale for. Um, there was also a really interesting, but I don't know if you spotted this. I've written a piece about this this morning. It's out on football.london if you want to read it in a little bit more detail. Um but I don't know if you spotted at some points in the first half in particular, Ramsdale was on the ball. Uh, Ramsdale was on the ball and had uh, a lot of West Ham players pressuring him and trying to, you know, force him to make mistakes. And where we would usually see Ramsdale go like long, he was trying to play it as short as possible. Now, he's not worthy of criticism for when that goes wrong. That's all Arteta. That, that, is, that is what Arteta wants our goalkeepers to do. He wants our goalkeepers to play intricately. He wants our goalkeepers to stay calm. And there was a moment where he was on the edge of the box with the ball and Bowen was about to press him and he was about to click, kick the ball long. And I switched my attention, because which is the benefit of being in the stadium, which you don't get the same benefit of when you're watching on TV. But I switched my attention straight away to see what Arteta was doing. And Arteta was gesticulating to Ramsdale to calm down. And he was kind of saying, keep the ball on the floor. Just keep it on the floor. Keep playing on the floor. Because when we go long, we just lose it. And I know it's that age-old kind of like fan uh, sitting at the back of the crowd saying, just kick it. Just get rid of it. You know, that line. And all that does is it brings back pressure on you. And there is method behind why Arteta wants us to play out slowly. Not even slowly, but just on the floor. Um, and I think that, you know, Ramsdale bought into that. But there were moments where he nearly didn't, and in some cases where he did go long and we lost possession. And there's also a point about that I saw talked about on social media yesterday: our throw-ins. We're bad at throw-ins. Like it's not something that gets talked about, but we're quite bad at throw-ins. The amount of times we give the ball away when we have a throw-in, or we don't necessarily create, you know, or it, it just isn't like we have a throw-in in the attacking third. And it ends up either in our own half or we lose possession. You know, I don't, we're not effective enough at throw ins. I can't believe I'm sitting here now and saying that as a team that competed for the title last season. You know, it's a basic part of the game, throw ins. But we're not good enough at them. Like, we're just not good enough at them. And we need to be more efficient with them because it is a part of the game. If you think about it, it's a free pass. A throw in is a free pass. Everyone on the field is set up for sure. Um, but it's a free pass, it's an unpressured pass. So you, 
you should be in a position whereby you can find a pass to a player that you can make unchallenged from the side of the field. And, and we're not good at them. Like, we're, we're not especially, and, and, and Dennis points this out, and I hope, Dennis, maybe you've reflected on your earlier comment about hatred. I don't know if I missed a, a follow-up comment. Um, but Dennis says, Ben White is especially bad at throw-ins. That needs to be a conversation. Careful, Ben. Dennis is going to start hating you if you don't improve those <laughs> those throwings. I joke, um, but uh, yeah, Ben White does need to improve his throwings. Uh, is that on the set piece, coach? I don't know. Liverpool brought in like a throw-in specialist. I don't know if it falls within Nicolas Jova's, um, you know, constituency, <laughs> if you like, um, regarding what he's he's got to do. So yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Um, football focus says Havertz is not good enough. Uh, people are scraping the bottom of the barrel of excuses. Uh, as a signing, if you don't produce numbers, at least influence the game and show us something he's not interested. I said in the first half, I thought he was good. Second half, I wasn't good. Um, but I, I have no issue with saying that they want a £65 million investment to do more. I have no issue in saying that people, that, that we that we should have signed Madison or we should have signed Zobosla. I have no issue with people, you know, making those comments. I have an issue when it's like vitriolic or I have an issue when it's like non-stop. Like once you've made the point, you've made the point, we get it. Um, I've made that point. You know, I've made that point about Zobosla. I would have much rather have seen Arsenal sign Zobosla than, than Havertz, for sure. Um and in reflection, I'd rather have seen a sign Madison, even though at the time I was kind of, I think, just a little bit blind, a little bit stubborn about that. But I can hold my hands up because I'm a grown-up and I'm an adult and I can hold my hands up and say when I'm wrong about something. Um, and certainly, you know, but it's very, very, it's it's very, very, uh, it's hard you know, I know it's not the, the greatest use of vocabulary there, but sometimes the simple words are the best. It's hard uh, watching Havertz sometimes. Do you know what I found really interesting the other day is I was watching a clip on YouTube, uh, not YouTube, I think it was social media. Someone had compiled all of the celebrations. I don't know if you've seen this. If you've seen this, let me know in the chat box. It was circulating around social media yesterday, maybe the day before. Someone had made a compilation of how Haver celebrates when we score. And it's, I think it's really interesting. I think it tells you something about them. And I'm not saying that you have to be somebody like Saliba that goes mad and pulls his crazy facial expressions and jumps into the crowd, you know. Like, you don't have to do that. But it's like when Arsenal score, there's like a little, there's like a little fist bump. Like, not fist bump, like a fist shake, if you like. Like a little celebratory, you know, as you do. Uh, it's not even, it like barely raises above like hip height. It's just like a little, yes. <laughs> And I I feel like that that tell that tells me something because maybe it's a, maybe he doesn't yet feel connected to the group and I know that the Arsenal's players have been really supportive of him and you know I don't think it's necessarily anything that the Arsenal squad are doing wrong I don't think it's necessarily something that the uh, that the manager's doing wrong I think Arsenal as a club and as a team and as players and as staff I think they've tried to make Havertz as as um you know as welcome as feasibly possible. You know, I absolutely do think that. But at some point, you have to look at the player, you know. Um, Amberley says he's an introvert, for heaven's sake. That's all that shows. But I feel like when I saw him at Leverkusen, he wasn't that like that. I just think that he's had a horrible three years in England with Chelsea. And I think that Chelsea experience has really affected him. And as I said, I said this when we signed him. It's you know this isn't something. This is something that I have remained consistent on, is that I've said that this signing was a risk. 
And I said that it doesn't go well, it's all on Arteta. Because Arteta is the guy that has, has pushed for this deal. Arteta is the guy that has said this. And I saw James McNicholas's tweet, which is, uh, let me, in fact, let me, don't let me misquote James. Um, as a comic, it'd be a horrible thing for me to do to, uh, sorry, not me being the comic, by the way. I'm well aware of my comedic inadequacies. But uh, let me find James's tweet about the Havertz chant, um, which is quite, I think, fairly accurate. Uh, something about, uh, where is it? Come on. Has he deleted it? Surely he's not deleted it. Surely it's somewhere. Um, yeah, here it is. Uh, look, all I'm saying is I'm not sure how long having the phrase 60 million down the drain in a player's song is going to be funny for. Uh, he does add, P.S., this tweet is a bit of fun, really. He wasn't good, but he wasn't the worst by a long stretch, which I agree with. Uh, overall, I think he was decent in the first half, but overall, the 90 minutes, I'd say, he wasn't good isn't exactly an unfair assessment. But yeah, the, the, having the word 60 million down the drain um, uh, in a chant about a player, funny, funny for, you know, a game. <laughs> but if, if he doesn't actually score again, uh, if he doesn't actually contribute, it's, yeah. And like, I see. I saw it. Where was the comment about Pepe? Um, where was the comment about Pepe? Why have I lost it? My game says Havertz is Pepe 2.0. It doesn't feel like he's our player. I think that's a really good way of put. He doesn't feel like an Arsenal player. Right? He doesn't feel like an Arteta player right now. Havertz. He just doesn't to me. Uh, I know he's done. I know not dynamic. Sorry. I know he's um, like he's strong off the ball and he does a lot of work and he, he's not lazy. He works hard. Um, and that is, they are characteristics of what Arteta likes in players, but he's not, he's not dynamic. He's not, um, he doesn't have these bursts of acceleration that I look out for in players. So I guess, I guess the next question I have for you all in the chat box, I guess the next question I have for you that I'd like to discuss in the next 10 minutes or so is, is, is what do we do now? We've got Newcastle in three days time. What do we do? How do we approach this game? How do we approach the match against Newcastle? They've just beaten Manchester United with a rotated team. They've been able to rest some key players. They did bring on Wilson and Gimaraes, etc. Um, but has any performances from that game against West Ham that started or whatever, you know, made you change your mind about uh, who would have started the game? For me, Nketiah still plays on Saturday. He scored a hat-trick, of course, against Sheffield United. Didn't get too many chances of clear-cut note against uh, West Ham for me to think, you know, he's not the right player for that game. So, no, I'm not playing Havertz up top. Uh, those, I know some of you might want to see that. Um, some of you might want to see Trossard up top. I think, By the way, I thought Trossard was really ineffectual is probably the way I would use. There were some good touches, good moments, you know, some touches inside, etc. A couple of good neat passes, but I thought he was pretty ineffectual, was Trossard. Um Nketiah starts up top. I think you'd be mad for it. I think, I think you're mad if you don't start Nketiah. Uh, I really do. I think you, you'd have to be mad to say that you're not starting Eddie um, up top after what he did at the weekend. Uh, it'd be pretty... I think it would expose a, a relative amount of bias against Eddie if you're not starting him after what happened uh, against, uh, you know, against uh, Sheffield United. So for me, I know we'll do a preview. I don't know if I'll do it today. I think we'll do a preview tomorrow uh, and I'll be in touch with you guys in the, the Discord server about that. Um, but I think, uh, I think that I'd go something along the lines of Raya, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Tommy Asu, um, Rice, Jorginho Rice. I think Jorginho and Rice. Jorginho was excellent at Newcastle last season. 
if you it's worth remembering. Jorginho was really good um at, at Newcastle last year. I spoke to him after the game as well. He was really good against Newcastle last year. So I think it's Jorginho Rice in the middle, Erdegaard, of course, and then Saka and Ketia and Martinelli up top. I think that's probably my team. Zinchenko can't start this game. Just can't. Just no. Like I, I, I like a lot of what he does on the field, but when you're going up against a very good attacking side, who've scored a lot of goals this season in, in Zinchenko, um, Tommy Asu has to come in. I like Tommy Asu a lot. I think he's had an excellent season, and I think he deserves to start. So yeah, where do we go? Where do we go from here? Um, Pokemon Go Speller says, "Now, nah, bro, we need to have an uncomfortable conversation about Mikel Arteta and it's his team and his midfield of 112 million. Do you really think that we're on the verge of winning anything? Oh, my God. I just... Uh... <laughs> Who? I, I, I really... Okay. I'm going to struggle here. I really don't get... I need to put my head like real... Like you can see the visceral disappointment in comments like this on the screen um we're drawing on points for city right now we're two points off the top of the table and yet fans want to have a quote uncomfortable conversation about the man come on come why 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 are we so reactionary like why are we so like (laughs) It's, it borders on childish. It really does. It's like someone stole my toy in nursery. Like, it really bugs me. Like, whenever, like, it's one bad performance, right? Bad display. We're out of the League Cup. Boo-hoo. You know, I, you know, I told you, you know my feelings on the League Cup. But I'm, I'm not wildly upset. <laughs> I really see there's loads of benefits being outside the League Cup. I'm disappointed with the way in which we approached the game or with the way we played the game. And I wanted to win. But like, who? I don't get it. Tucky says this is an arrogant response. Tommy's entitled to his opinion. Of course he's entitled to his opinion. But you contradict yourself there, Tucky, because I am entitled to mine. And it's my opinion that to question a coach that has Arsenal beating the treble winning champions and has them joint on points with Pep Guardiola and two points off the top of the table, I'm pretty entitled to have a view, to think that the view to question why we have this coach or to have a, quote, uncomfortable conversation about the manager at this stage of the season after what we did last season and what we're doing this season, considering all the upheaval and injuries that we've had to face this year, I think that's kind of mad. I don't think it's arrogant to suggest that at all. I really don't. I really, really don't think that's arrogant. Arteta gets called arrogant all the time. I don't agree with the comments about I think he's stubborn and he's principled. I wouldn't go as far as saying arrogant. I don't think people don't really understand the word, to be honest. I don't think people really understand what the word arrogant actually means. Um, And Tucky says, Tom, whether you like it or not, the manager has to deliver silverware this season. So if he doesn't, then there is an uncomfortable conversation. No. Tucky, tell me who your favourites were for every single competition that that, that we're in for this season. Were Arsenal your favourite for any of the competitions that we competed in this season? Tell me. League Cup, I'm disappointed we're out. Could we have won it? Sure. FA Cup, Premier League, Champions League. Tucky, tell me who your favourites are for those competitions. I'm curious. I'm I'm curious. I'm waiting. I'm tempted to just kind of vamp until Tucky responds in the chat box. Who who are your favourites for the competitions this season? And I guess the next question, the follow-up question to that is, 
And if you're watching the 12th Man podcast with me down in Northside the other day, you understand where this question is coming from. It's a question I've had in my head. It's a question that I've used quite a lot when talking to Arteta's biggest critic, critics this season about the whole, he has to win a season, he has to win a trophy, otherwise he has to go, which is mad. Um, but tell me who your favourites were. You know, was it was it Arsenal? Was it Arsenal, the team that, that finished second last year? Or, or was it the team that won the League Cup? Sorry, was it the team that won the FA Cup, the Premier League, and the Champions League loss. Would that are they your favourite? I'm willing to kind of bet. I think I'm fairly confident. Tucky's not responded in the chat box yet, but like, I'm fairly confident. And there it is, Man City, of course. But surely we have to be going for them, bearing in mind expenditure. I'm not a hater. To, I'm not saying I didn't say you're a hater. Not what did I once say the words hater? I don't think that word has exited my mouth. Um, this show. If Man City are your favourites to win a competition, and we don't win it. That means we have to have a quote uncomfortable conversation about the manager. Makes zero sense. Like none at all. That doesn't make any sense to me. When I will have a conversation about Arteta's future is if we are regressing, is if we are as a club going backwards. And do you know what we didn't do last season? We didn't beat Man City. Did we do that this season? Yes. Step forwards, maturity. We played differently. We had a different style. We approached that game tactically perfect and we've out competed them and we eventually eventually took the chance that fell to us and beat Man City. So no, it's not it's not to do with arrogance. And people say, Tom, you say you're always so accepting of other people's views and then you um and then you shut them down. You don't quite get it. You can accept other people's opinions. And if I wasn't accepting of, I think it was Ghostbella in the chat box I highlighted earlier, if I wasn't accepting of that view, I'd ignore it. They wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be allowed in the chat box. If I wasn't accepting of someone's views, and trust me, we have a lot of blocked accounts in this chat because the views that I don't accept are abusive. The views that I don't accept are hateful. The views that I don't accept cross lines. You know, they're the views I don't accept. But I'm accepting of people's opinions if they are putting them across in a way that's not disrespectful, of which Ghostbiller didn't put it across in a non-respectful way, which is why I highlighted it, which is why I talked about it, which is why I disagreed with it. It's not arrogance. <laughs> it is not about dismissing other people's views. And again, it's my opinion that it comes from a childish point of view to be so reactive and reactionary about a manager after losing out against West Ham in the Cowboy Cup after we've changed the entire squad and yet we've beaten Man City and we sit joint in points in them and two points off the title. It's nothing to do with, you know, not accepting other people's views. This is a conversation. This is a discussion. And I always, always implore and to the point of beg people with different views to come onto our phone-in shows. Do I, do I ever really get them? No, we don't, you know. And I, I don't blame them sometimes, you know. I, I drive a hard bargain. <laughs> I get it. But it's just kind of crazy to me. Ghostbella says, but Tom, my question was, is are we going to win anything this season? Look at the teams and all the different competitions. Do you think as, uh, do you think we are going to win anything? By the way, I love your videos. Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. And if, you, if I came across too harshly, I apologize. But I think you can understand my frustration when this type of thing gets thrown up. When you look at the Premier League table, you look at where we were and where we are. No one thought we'd compete for the title last season. And we did. 
And now everyone's expectations are is that we do that again, which is fine. I don't got a problem with people, you know, with the aim of trying to win the league and especially to compete with it. It's my expectation this season. Last season changed my expectation about competing for the title because I certainly thought we were maybe another season away from doing that. It happened last season. So you've got to progress. You've got to keep that going, keep that flowing. But to say that, like, the minimum is to win a major trophy and, like, if we don't do that, you've got to think about changing the coach. When he's progressed us to a point where we are competing for them where we weren't before, like, before Arteta arrived, we weren't competing. Not, like, our, some of Arteta's biggest critics like to talk about Unai Emery a lot. I find it odd, but they like to talk about him a lot because he's obviously the guy <clears throat> he's the guy that was there before sorry excuse me and um i find the unai emery thing a little bit um hollow as as an argument the whole if he was given time um if he was given what arteta has been given he'd be where arteta is or something like that. when when obviously that's not the case because we all know, if we're being all very honest with ourselves, and if you look at what the squad was when Unai Emery eventually was sacked with Arsenal sitting in the bottom half of... Um, no, we weren't in the bottom half. We were, when we were, I think it was eighth or ninth. And then by the time Arteta got the job, we were in 11th because that spiral was still going. The style wasn't... It didn't fit the squad. The, 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 the dressing room was fractured and miraculously Arteta managed to win an FA Cup with that dressing room. It's kind of madly, still a crazy underappreciated achievement that was. Um, and obviously before that, Wenger was was evolved beyond the game, went beyond Wenger. The game moved past his his the way of doing things and, you know, sadly it ended in a rather cold way. But it's why I find it so, so strange that there's always this kind of thing with Arteta. I get he's not particularly likable sometimes, and I'm not expecting everybody to like him. Like, you don't have to like the coach, you know. I, I've got my question mark sometimes, and trust me, as someone who's been on the end of Arteta's cold answering of questions, you know, I've been in the room with the guy, I've asked him something, and he shut me down, you know, and it's not a nice feeling. But it doesn't mean that I don't look at things from a, an objective point of view, from a footballing perspective, to know what's right for my club. I want what's best for Arsenal. You know, and that's that's key. And no, I certainly go, Speller, haven't said that I think that you want him sacked. But what you have said is that you think that if he doesn't win anything, then we have to ask some serious questions or have a uncomfortable conversation. I don't know what else that means. You know, what is the uncomfortable conversation if it's not, should we get rid of the coach? I don't know what what is the uncomfortable conversation at least one side of that conversation that is uncomfortable surely is is hinting, insinuating that we change the coach. I, I don't see it any other way. Do you know what I mean? Um, Stephen says, what? How is Arteta not likable? Because he's stubborn. Because he's quite cold. Because uh, he's meticulous. Because um, he makes decisions not everybody agrees with. And, and for some people, that's enough. You know? Um, Mark says, Arteta only shut you down, Tom, because you had chocolate cake around your mouth. Hey, I've been on a diet, Mark. That's harsh. That's harsh, mate. Very harsh indeed. Uh, I have had a bad week, though. I'll tell you what. The blueberry and uh, almonds tarts that was at West Ham last night were very good. 
<laughs> very, very good indeed. Um, as Guy Spiller says, uh, people saying that I want Arteta sacked. No, I don't want him sacked, but there's consequences to everything that you do. Well, tell me what those consequences that you're talking about are. You said if he doesn't win anything this season, what's the consequence? What's the consequence for him? If Arteta doesn't win anything this season, what's the? that's the question I'm putting forward to you. Tell me, for you, what are the consequences for Arteta if he doesn't win anything? And saying we need to have a chat about his future, that's not a consequence. Like, that's just a chat. That's just fans talking. Like, if you're saying... And certainly, like, as soon as the club internally start talking about the manager's future, it's kind of done at that point. You know, I, I'm not sure of a situation of any team. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure there's a situation of any any team at all where there's conversations about the manager's future and then they're shortly after not sacked <laughs> you know so tell me what you mean by those consequences tucky says coming back to your point tom if man city are favorites for every competition and then maybe don't get dumped out the one cup they were in and and tell me at any point in this show have i said that i'm not disappointed that i've not criticized last night's performance you know i i wanted to win last night the performance wasn't good enough the team selection wasn't good enough even though it's a team that i probably would have put out and that's because I'm not a football manager, but I certainly can reflect upon it and know that it maybe wasn't the right choice, you know? And I said that certainly alongside Liverpool, you were up there with the favourites to win that tournament, which I think Newcastle probably have a very good chance of doing now. Um, but it is the competition that we care least about. And I'm not, I'm going to be very clear here. No manager at a top six club needs to be judged upon their progress competitiveness results in the carabao cup no manager deserves that it's an insult to the managers no manager deserves to be measured upon their success in the carabao cup i'm sorry that's just that's that's just my opinion that's how i see it it's not a major honor it's been comedified if that's even a word um you know if you want to talk about major honours, you want to talk about the FA Cup, you want to talk about the Premier League, you know, and if we're dumped out of the FA Cup by, you know, West Ham, I'm going to be very, 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 very disappointed because it's a competition that we should look to go for. Um, if we get dumped out of, you know, we got dumped out of the Europa League by Sporting, again, like, I don't particularly rate the Europa League because it's just a UEFA money-making scheme, but I do think that it was a competition that I would have liked to have won, considering we were in it and were favourites in it for so many years as well. So that was disappointing. But when it comes to the Premier League and the Champions League, ultimately, we're not the favourites for those competitions by a gap. There is a gap between us and City. There's a gap between us and Real Madrid. There's a gap between you know us and, and maybe Bayern. Um, so if you're saying that if we don't win anything, then we have to question the coach. I just, I don't think that's the parameters. Um, and that, you know, some people might interpret that as saying, well, when do you question them, Tom? Why can't you say you can never question the coach? Again, that's not what I'm saying. My parameters for when I will question Arteta are different. My parameters for when I will question the coach about whether he's the right guy moving forward, which I still find kind of crazy that we sit here talking about today, but we are because that's the way the conversation's gone. Um, my parameters are different, and my parameters revolve around Arsenal first. Arsenal must always be progressing. Arsenal must always be moving toward the goal of, of, of matching Man City as close as we can within the realms, within the parameters that we are able to do. And ultimately, we continue to still do that. 
we continue as a club to move that in that direction. Arsenal have only been moving, you know, in one direction under Arteta, and that is back towards the top. And so until that stops happening, that's when I will question. And I think that's not exactly an unfair position or a weak position to hold, to be honest. Um, Keith says, uh, Tom, what do you think about the Chelsea reporting regarding Eto and Willian? Uh, I kind of found their statement about these were things that went on before the current ownership or the current people that are at the club were even here. And so we have washed our hands of this crime, allegedly. <laughs> Keith, I found it very funny uh, and very Chelsea. But uh, let's see how that one transpires. Uh, Magambo says, Tom, Brendan Rodgers played good football with Liverpool, but they, were, but they won the league and Champions League by gambling on a better manager like Klopp. There is something different about a winning manager. Um, okay, Magambo, if you think that Brendan Rodgers holds a candle of coaching intelligence, of squad building, meticulous accuracy, if you think that Brendan Rodgers holds a candle to Mikel Arteta, I've got serious problems with your view of football is what I would say. Now, you might call that an arrogant response, but I don't think it's that that kind of crazy to say, this is Brendan Rodgers, this is Mikel Arteta, and I look at them as two very different things. I get the analogy, but my question would obviously be, who on earth are you signing to upgrade on Mikel Arteta? I spoke to, it was obviously Northside was on with us and Dan, the suggestion from them and the suggestion from Dan has been at times, and I don't know if he still holds this opinion, so don't take it as gospel. You may have changed his mind, but he will speak for himself. Um, is Diego Simeone. And I could not think of anything worse than Diego Simeone at Arsenal Football Club. Talk about shooting yourself in the foot <laughs> in terms of a managerial appointment. It would never happen. It would never, ever, ever happen. You know, maybe we should end the show on that. Should we end the show on Brendan Rodgers being compared to Mikel Arteta? It's almost, it's almost fitting of the performance that we saw last night in terms of a view. Um, <laughs> I don't really want to. Um, Jojo Louis says, everybody is entitled to their opinion, no matter how dumb, and everybody is entitled to tell them their opinion is total BS. I agree with the second part. The problem with the first part, it's something that I've changed my mind upon recently. No not everyone is entitled to their opinion because some people are horrible. Trust me, I've learned that from experience in social media and just the world we live in for the past amount of time. So, so, no, I'm no longer an advocate of everybody's entitled to their opinion. You have to add the caveat onto the end of that sentence of everyone is entitled to their opinion if the everyone we're talking about is respectful and humane. That's that's what I've caveated that sentence with over the last however many uh, months, seeing a lot of things about a lot of different topics in and outside of football, of course. Um, Albert, joining us in the chat, says Liverpool have won the Premier League once uh, since the Premier League was created. My point is that even with a club of such heritage, they've struggled to get a league title over the line for so long. It's also worth remembering that, um, you know, you, yeah, when did Liverpool win the Champions League? Because for some people, the Champions League and the Premier League, right, are the only major 
honours that exist. For some people, I personally count the the FA Cup as one. Um, but uh, yeah, Liverpool won the FA Cup in 2022. And obviously they finished outside of the top four last season. And they're in the Europa League this season. So you could argue, uh, Speller, I'm not angry at you, no. Don't worry, I'm not angry at you. I'm just emotional and, uh, what's the word? Passionate about talking about football and opinions. That's why I get... Like I do. Um, but uh, yeah, so Jurgen Klopp won his last uh, trophy in 2022 when they won the uh, when they won the FA Cup and uh, they they won the League Cup in that season as well. I think they did, yes. Obviously, last season they regressed. As a football club, they went backwards. They didn't progress, Liverpool. You know, they did not go forwards. So you could at that point, I think, and I think a lot of Liverpool fans did, um, you know, they started looking at, um, they started looking at Arsenal. Sorry, they started looking at Klopp differently. They started making some judgments about whether or not he was the right coach going forward. But they kept him, and then obviously Liverpool very much in the fold and in the fray for the, some of the top honours in the world again this season, despite being in the uh, uh, in the in the Europa League. So uh, let's see if they win that competition. They failed, I think, when they tried to go for it before, didn't they? Didn't they? Uh, uh, they were runners up to Sevilla in 2016. So it's not it's not easy, you know. Even if you're a Liverpool side, about trying to win that competition. Um, so yes, uh, let's go to uh, Trevor. Says the only thing with Celtic is they have no oppositions. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about Brendan Rodgers' success at Celtic, it's it's barely success, to be fair. Um, Lai Hyung Lim says, Ange Postacoglu for Arsenal. Oh, see. Why did you have to ruin the show, Lee? <laughs> Why did you have to do that? Uh, Chun Ho uh, says, well, and does going far in the FA Cup Champions League and title challenge are sufficient for Arteta this season? It depends. There's a lot of context, isn't it? I think people often throw up these question marks, don't they? They're like, is is going far enough? Like, how far does our... T- it's not about that for me. It's like, who did we get knocked out to? Why did we get knocked out to them? What Do I point the finger at the coach for the reasons why we did? Was there context around that game as to the reason why we lost? You know, it's, it's... Football's not... It's not one on paper. It's not assessed on paper. A lot of people try to, but it's not. So it's not as easy as saying, if you don't do this this season, if you don't go this far in these competitions... Or if you do this X, Y, Z, then there needs to be a conversation. Because for me, it's it's so much deeper than that. It's, it's so lazy to just do it off of that. I think it's it's, it's far more. It's when people say like, um, which strikers would you sign now? And I'm like, well, the window's not open now. And I don't really think Arsenal are going to sign a striker until the summer. So let's wait until the summer to have that conversation. Because obviously then we can have a better discussion about where our strikers are at at that point and what strikers might be available. So it's always, always, always about context. And it's so important to apply that where possible. It is always that I go on very long during these shows uh, (laughs) after a game. Uh, There is going to be a show for you tomorrow morning. Um, Similarly to when I spoke to Clive, uh, I am at the press conference again tomorrow morning ahead of the game against Newcastle. So it won't be me here doing a live show like I am now. It will be me and another very special guest uh, joining me uh, for that 8am show. So do still tune in at 8am because there will be content for you. Um, And hopefully there'll be a a preview show for the game against Newcastle tomorrow evening as well, which I will be live for. So you'll be able to jump into the chat box for that. Um, Thank you to everybody that's joined us in the chat box. Thank you to everyone that's listened. Um, 
I'm not angry at any of you. <laughs> um, I just disagree with some of you. Uh, but thank you to everybody that's tuned in. Really appreciate your time as always. I hope you have a fantastic day. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my day off. I say day off. I've got two more interviews to do today. I say got to do, like I don't enjoy doing them. I'm, I'm pleasured to be able to do them. Um, but uh, yeah, on my day off, I'm still going to be doing plenty of work. So <laughs> it's the way that it goes. Thank you, everybody. Uh, drop a like, subscribe, and uh, yeah, help us on our way to 53K. Uh, stay safe. Stay well. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.